Hey everybody, this is Volts for April 11th, 2022. Got a little something different for you today. Uh, it is someone else's podcast, namely the folks at Some More News. They have a great video series where they cover the day's news in an extremely funny way. And they also have a podcast. And I was on the podcast as a guest, and they agreed to let me share that episode with you here on the Volts feed. So without further ado, here is the latest episode of Some More News. Hello and welcome back to Even More News, the first and only news podcast. My name is Katie Stoll. It is, and... I have a different mm-hmm. one, and that yes. name is Cody Johnston. Yes, the it full is. One. And joining us today, we're very excited. For the first time, is podcast host, writer of the Volts newsletter, David Roberts. Hello, David. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. This is always the fun part of the show where we're like, yeah, we were just chatting, and now we're going to pretend like we're saying hello for the first time. <laughs> hello again. <laughs> Before we, we're we're gonna chat, we're gonna get to know you. But I gotta call out the holiday of the day today, the day of this release, April eighth, is National All Is Ours Day. Squeeze me. <laughs> yeah, National All Is Ours Day, which sounds like some propaganda, weird, mm. creepy shit. Um, but I guess it's about celebrating nature and its natural beauty. But it okay sounds a little culty. It does. Sounds a little culty, doesn't all it? All is ours. All is ours. All is ours. Sounds a little culty. I uh that's like na- name it something else and people would like it probably and know about it and celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, a show about nature called All Is Ours. That's it seems like the wrong message also. So say we all. This is an honorable shout out for holidays that I gotta I gotta I gotta bring out. Um today, April seventh, the day that we are recording, is National Girl Me Too Day. And I I'm sorry. Hate it. <laughs> yep. National Girl <laughs> Me Too Day. And it's not about me too. This is about celebrating I was and appreciating say, like, women yeah. and all their achievements. <laughs> Girl, me too. But what's weird is that um it doesn't have a, a comma Girl, in it. So the the, the name is just National Girl Me Too Day. And you need a comma between girl and me too. Otherwise it's just a girl me too. Yeah. Girl me too. It could be girl like, me also day. <laughs> or like girl me too. Girl me also. If I'm looking at this national day calendar uh, website for national girl me too day. And I want to adjust one of their suggestions <laughs> on how to observe this day. The first item is give a greeting card yeah. of encouragement to a woman you don't know or don't usually associate with. No. Please don't do that. Don't do that. I think maybe don't do that. Maybe keep your greeting card of encouragement uh, to yourself. Or if wow. you have to, uh, me the girl, me too. How it's <laughs> Like if you're at least give it to somebody you know. Did, did you get a creepy letter? Girl, me too. For the love of God, don't give a strange woman this Every card. year I send out. Like I send out ten just random girl me too cards, mm-hmm. just people right. in the neighborhood. <laughs> I, I flip open the phone book. I'm like, girl, you're getting a girl me too card from me. <laughs> Happy girl me too day. So, <laughs> me too. You don't know me, me but too I've been what? watching you and girl. Based on a, it's a 
organization? It's a nonprofit organization? A girl <laughs> me too? I think that they've done a very bad job branding. Yeah, I think it's probably like it seems like it's a it's a an organization that probably helps people and then like possible? we need a day. Let's name it after our organization and it just sounds silly. They're probably wonderful in like helping orphan girls and we're awful. Points are very well taken. I hear you guys. Counterpoint. When did this organization form? <laughs> you do not call your mm. holiday me too at this point. And if you already did, you change it. It's done. It's done. That's not working. That's got a different connotation. <laughs> Unless you want to shift the focus of your holiday to yep, sexual yep. harassment and, and if prevention. If it's like girl me too, that's a whole different holiday, but that is nothing to do with the description. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see like the Rose Garden address on that holiday. Nothing about the holiday <laughs> and how we observe it changes, but it is now about me too. So you are encouraged to pick a random woman and send them a card. Okay, this is maybe too dark for jokes. David, you're fun so far. We're thrilled to have you. <laughs> we love that. We That's love to be on. I love your I love your stuff. We love that. We love it. Love it. Give keep them coming. <laughs> you love that I love your stuff, so right. All right, I'll start that you 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 left um Vox in I believe December of 2020 to start um, your newsletter and your podcast. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about that decision and, and what uh, what do you cover? What's your deal? I s cover uh, climate change and clean energy, mostly clean energy, mostly efforts to solve climate change. I uh, started in the early 2000s at a little nonprofit called Grist, a little nonprofit media outlet called Grist. I worked there for 10 years, went to Vox, covered the same thing for five years. And then by then had sort of built up enough of an audience that I thought I could get away with just going out on my own and having no bosses mm -hmm. and no deadlines. Yeah, that's the way to do and it. No colleagues <laughs> and no meetings. And it worked. So here I am. Do you ever miss meetings? <laughs> <laughs> it's been well over a year now since uh, I, I've been to a meeting. Or, or or open Slack. Oof. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we people keep <laughs> suggesting that we use Slack, and it. You know what? It might mm -hmm. help us, but we're not gonna. It's not gonna help you. It'll just eat your brain like everything that. else. We tried. Yeah, we tried Slack a while ago uh, at our old uh, place, and it was just. It's just another place you have to check. Why do I need that? I have too many places to check already. I don't need that. If I'm not responding on email, yep. I'm not responding on Slack. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I've somehow finagled my way into a job now where 98% of my time is spent doing the actual job, like researching and writing and podcasting. So in your work, you cover politics. Yes, you cover media. And you've written, written a lot about how the right wing has a whole media apparatus that supports its claims, but the left doesn't really have something similar. No pressure, but um, how do we as a society, <laughs> <laughs> you know, go about giving, giving broader information to people on the right, to reaching across the aisle, to bridging some of these divides? <laughs> well, there's sort of two, two ways you could look at it, two directions you could go. One is given current circumstances, the left needs to fight back, which means we need, like basically what happens is if, if as a right winger or a right wing politician, you want to get a message out or if the right wants to get a message out, it has these organs, thousands of them, Fox, 
the radio, thousands and thousands of websites, boom, blast it uniformly. And so if you're a conservative, you know what you think about that immediately. You know what we as conservatives think about this. The left Democrats basically go out to the podium, toss their messages out into a sea of, you know, mainstream reporters and just hope for the best, hope that those messages filter their way down to voters. And they just don't. They don't at all. And there's no equivalent, you know, like on the right, they're under this bizarre delusion that like CNN is the equivalent of Fox. But anyone who's ever watched those two networks knows that that's ridiculous, knows that the mainstream news is not friendly to Democrats. They love no. shitting on Joe Biden. They shit on Joe Biden constantly. They That's how they prove how, how tough they are. It's how, pro- mm-hmm. yeah, how they prove how independent they are. So there's no media apparatus devoted to getting the truth about what Democrats are doing and saying and want to do directly to voters. And so basically what happens is the right dominates the sort of media sphere. Like they can insert stories into media almost at will. And, uh, and, you know, and I, and I like, like I would just every, every day I think about what would Democrats do if they had something like that? What if Democrats had a Fox, what would today look like? Like for instance, now the right is beginning this bizarre attack that the left is pro-pedophilia and that this <laughs> new Supreme Court justice is pro-pedophilia, <clears throat> despite the fact that the U.S. right wing is ridden with sexual creeps and assaulters and pedophiles. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I was tweeting some Serving the other day. There are like currently. three or four separate <laughs> lists of, I mean, you, there are, are hun- literally hundreds, Speaker many serving- one was president and maybe president again. Yeah. So yeah. if if Democrats had a fox, if Democrats had a fox, it would be saying it through all these organs to everybody on the left. Let's let's talk about how the right is full of creeps and pedophiles and they uh, and they're grotesque hypocrites on the subject. Yeah. But who's saying that? That's that message is nowhere because there's no one to carry it. Yes, there is an apparatus. They have an apparatus, and the apparatus thrives on. Just clicks and eyeballs, and they don't give a fuck about what it is that they say. There is no integrity to the system. And um, on our side of things, our playing, f- not that there isn't shades of republicanism, conservatism within that party, but they do have a tendency to fall in line <laughs> together, you know, versus us. Their top priority is the, the health and, and welfare of the conservative tribe. That's true of right. conservative media. It's true of conservative think tanks. It's true of conservative politicians. They're all. And so it doesn't matter. They're going to say what it serves them. They're all one team. And the media is on that team. And versus on our side, where just even within the left, there are so many different people with different. I, I I think in general, more and more, the vast majority of the left can agree on certain things that they want, like Medicare for all, uh, free tuition, things like that. But even within the party, there is a lot of discrepancy and there is no consensus on how to go about that. And it's yeah. you feel disillusioned because you're not seeing that on our media yeah. either. It's empirically true that the left is much more. Uh, heterogeneous, much more varied. Uh, that's true demographically. It's true racially. It's true on and on. But one thing they all agree on is that there's a reactionary fascist movement 
rising around the country, trying to remove the right to vote (laughs) and and, and trying to destroy U.S. democracy. And that seems to really suck. So just unity on the message that Republicans are bad would be great. Like who's out prosecuting that case? Where is the media apparatus actively prosecuting that case? And there's plenty of truthful, (laughs) you don't have to make shit up to to prosecute that case. Yeah. And then, well, then you have also like, because the, you know, there's, it's not, it's not the same, like, there's a sensationalism that the media wants. And there's also like, on the right, you have like, this apparatus that's attached to them. And this desire, like their goal is stripping down the government also. And that is also true, I think, for a lot of like, trying to like talk about like the left and the Democratic Party is sort of like separate entities. I think there is a lot of division there where, you know, you have like, like a Joe Biden, who's like, the leader of the party is not going to go out there and say, like, actually, the Republicans are bad, and we want Medicare for all. So there isn't even like, within the party or like there's no leadership at all and i think that's a big problem uh it's just like the lack of any leadership and singular uh goal or voice or yeah i don't know it's uh it's just frustrating to watch all around it's true it's it's the the one way one way i often put it is any attack on any portion of the left will be joined by the entire right mm-hmm. and by some other right. portion of the left. So so yeah. it always looks bipartisan, right? It always looks in a sense. So the lack of left unity, I mean, what, what I was going to say earlier at the very beginning of this question, like there's two ways you could go. One is just a, a competing apparatus from Dems if, there's, if left-wing billionaires would like get it together and build some institutions that right. could do this kind of thing. But long-term, you really need institutions that are trusted widely trusted in society. Mm-hmm. You need social trust for a society to persist. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you need some baseline, you need some baseline common information. So long-term, the project has got to be restore some kind of media that has fealty to values above partisanship, other than partisanship on both sides. And that people can trust, right? We're going to talk about the IPCC climate report next and get into that. And this is a through line on our show. And I'm sure you're all of your work navigating this world that we're living in. It just feels very clear to me that what we need to survive is to agree. We, I mean, this goes across <laughs> the board, but especially on shit like climate change, we need each other. We, we fucking need each other and whatever it takes for me to convince this person that I'm not their enemy and for us to say, like, I disagree on this, but together we've got to tell these motherfuckers that this is now or never. It's time to make a change. I'm, I'm really trying to approach, not that I have a lot of interactions with people that are of a different political persuasion than I am, but whenever I do, I'm really trying to bring it back down to brass tacks. Like, because when you talk to them about it, for the most part, you can get away from this apparatus of the media and you can say like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm scared about X, Y, Z. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Like the reality of it is sinking mm-hmm. in. Anyway. I, but yeah. I feel like one of the things we've discovered in the past few years, and this shows up in surveys and polls and, and, and social science research too, is for, for people, let's just say with a certain kind of personality, the, the feeling of belonging to a tribe, to an identity, mm-hmm. of having a shared identity, which means an us and a very clearly defined them, right? That's having that identity is 
in a way more important to people mm. than their immediate material interests. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even if you can appeal to them on the basis of like food on their table and healthcare still, I mean, I, I'll never, for, I'll never forget the guy in the interview. I think it was one of my colleagues in, in, in Vox. He, he gave this quote to, but basically I forget the exact quote, but it was tantamount to saying, if I, if, if getting rid of Obamacare means I'll die, that's okay with me because Obamacare is socialism. I'd rather save the country from socialism. That's more important than my life. And I was like, well, how, what, what could I, what could I appeal to this guy on? Like, you'll die that if you'll die, doesn't work. Objectively, that's not logical. What is I don't want to be ableist and use words, but I'll say that isn't logical. It is if your identity gives right. you more than than your material circumstances yeah, give you. Yeah. And to a lot of people, right, I think it's it also does. it's that sort of like is my identity this, this is above what like the facts that are that are out there, but also like especially the past few years, that identity has been tied to a new reality. Uh, it's not just that, like, yeah, this is my tribe. This is this. It's this is my tribe, and this is the world I live in, and it's a completely different world. And that's been happening, like, especially, specifically with climate change. I think where it's just like it's either it's not happening or it is happening, and we can't really do anything about it. And I think for so long we've been in this. Uh, we, we, you assume, you hope, like, ideally in a functioning society, if there's only two parties, which is not ideal, but let's say there are, then. Uh, <laughs> You disagree on what to do about something, but you agree on the reality of the situation. Okay, climate change is real. What do we do about it? You can say nothing, but you say nothing after you admit that it's happening, right? Whereas now it's just like the reality is different and you tie your identity to the tribe, to the reality, and then it makes it even harder to have these conversations. Well, let me suggest this to you. Perhaps... Um U.S. reactionary conservatives, the right wing base, senses on some level that acknowledging these facts, acknowledging, say, climate change or whatever, really does get you on a slippery slope that carries you away from the tenets mm -hmm. of U.S. reactionary conservatism. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it can't no form of sort of primitive tribalism that's that's that that's become as curdled as it is can survive in the right, light. You let one of, beam of light in, then it exactly it cracks true, and true, cracks. True and facts. Exactly. Exactly. That's why they're paranoid about, about slippery slopes is because it's really true. Like once you, once you grab the string of climate change, just the right. logic, the logic of it, the, the facts of it and start pulling you, you end up with the necessity, as you were saying early, Katie, the, the necessity of global cooperation. You have to agree and cooperate across the globe. It, it's it's inexorable in the logic of climate mm -hmm. change. And I think like on some level, they recognize that and reject the whole thing because they know where it will carry them if they if they let it in. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because it's not and not only like we need to. OK, well, I guess we need to like all work together for for a common cause, but also we need to think about like, well, then how did we if this is true, how did we get here? Oh, maybe like we shouldn't base everything on like profits and like let companies do whatever they want. Like all these sort of things that like got us to that point are also wrong. And then, yeah. But I don't have time for them to unpack all that bullshit. <laughs> I, know, I need yeah. you to wake up like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Go to therapy later. Right <laughs> now, I need you here and showing up. <laughs> it's true with the pandemic, too. You grab it, yeah. the, the logic, the logic of a pandemic. Grab it, pull the string. You end up with 
solidarity and cooperation as the only viable solutions. And they don't like solidarity and cooperation, so they reject the whole thing. I mean, that's what a lot of this weird dysfunction is about. Well, and the Republican Party, if if all of a sudden there's solidarity and cooperation, then what are Mm -hmm. they for? Who votes for them? Because when you start to tear down the walls and and unpeel the layers, you see, I mean, another thing we say a lot in the show, the Republican Party isn't for anything. Their entirety is about being against things, against change, against change. Well, they're for the they they are for the continued hegemony of yeah. white right. white male Christian. But like I mean, everything that they propose that we will talk about is, I mean, like absolutely no need for there to be a law about child marriages. Yes, they've amended this, well, yeah, but right. like you know, uh, we'll get into that. But like, what is the point of this? If your priority is the hegemony of white male Christian, you know, then you will have experienced the whole last century as Mm -hmm. an insult. Just one thing after another of the federal government getting bigger, more people getting rights. And, and, you know, it's not like, it's not like white people have been particularly hurting relative to other groups, but other groups have been rising relative to, to, to white people. And if you're, you know, I forget what the cliche is, but if you're the hegemon, you experience more equality as an attack, right? Yeah. And that's, they've oh, experienced yeah. they've experienced the whole last century as an attack. So of course they say no to everything because almost everything on the table these days is some step forward toward but the multicultural democracy. Being that those step forward, those steps forward towards multicultural democracy, towards everything that we've been talking about and continue to talk about means equality for all of them. Means that because the vast majority of the white working class are also poor. The vast majority of this country and just in general are oppressed and don't even fucking know it. Um, we got to talk about this IPC report, IPCC report. It's difficult to say. Yeah, they should, they should just change yeah, it. I, it would make it, uh, it might solve all of our problems, honestly. I know. A, Girl, a, more, clever, a more clever acronym. Yeah, a lot to talk about here. <laughs> Basically, the IPCC says we need global emissions to peak in 2025. And then drop by 43% by 2030 to keep us at the one and a half degrees Celsius goal. Basically, that gives us three years to turn this ship around. And it ain't happening, I don't think. Yes, that would require a drastic change of pace and a reduction in admissions. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm going to throw to you guys to have your initial reactions before I get into some of these. Um, yeah, I can explain the background if you are, are are interested. Yeah, so please. the idea is countries got together several years ago and agreed that the global average temperature is rising. And if it rises more than two degrees Celsius above what it was pre-industrial times, that's sort of the line where things become catastrophic. And then later research later meetings and, and a lot of voices of more vulnerable countries came in and they revised that. And they're like, you know what, what actually 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, that's dangerous. Like that's dangerous. Two degrees is catastrophic. And then everything above that, of course, is worse and worse and worse. So 1.5 limiting temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels has been the, has been the target now for a while, but you know, the closer we come, <laughs> the more the more carbon we put in the atmosphere, the more difficult hitting that target becomes. And now we're basically at the last, you know, even now hitting that target would require 
basically every economic sector in every country across the world turning on a dime and sprinting in the other direction, you know, tomorrow, which, you know, if you look around at the world, doesn't really look like that's going to happen. So, so the message of the IPCC report is still technically possible Mm -hmm. to hit our 1.5 degree target, but it would require everyone to start doing everything it's not happening. <laughs> and, and, and okay, so we're going to be fine. It's going to all work out. We're all going to make yes, that decision. And- yes, but you know, this is always where you need to say. This is always super important to emphasize. That there's no, there's no uh, uh, scientific significance to two degrees or to one point five degrees. These are just sort of rough heuristics. They're thresholds mm-hmm. that that they that they picked. You know, somewhat arbitrarily. Things get worse and worse and worse incrementally. So. 1.6 is worse than 1.5, et cetera, et cetera. Two is yeah. bad. Above two is way bad. We look like now, if we if we continue to fuck around, they estimate we're going to come in somewhere between 2.5 and 3.4. <laughs> Those are all super bad. Yeah, super bad. But bad. So I, I think the message here is 1.5 is if we're being... Pretty bad. Yeah, they're pretty bad probably not going to happen it would require something uh truly cosmic and extraordinary like at the end of the watchman when the space octopus mm. you guys know what i'm talking about we have one of those that's sure. probably not going to happen <laughs> that's probably not going to mm. happen so but two degrees maybe is still within our reach but regardless regardless of all the numbers yeah. the point is just yeah. Shit is coming. We need to all get together and start doing things differently quickly. But we, uh, but this the, is the moment in the movie where we should yes, it's, be it's banding together. Because the, the next time the IPCC comes together to do one of these massive, comprehensive right. reports, they do them every five years. The next time they get together, we might already be past one point five. It's entirely, it's entirely yeah. possible. So, but the other half of the message is we now have. Like the tools to solve climate change, the technologies, the procedures, we know now how to do it quite well. And the tools with which to do it are getting incredibly cheap and they're profusing and there's all this innovation. So like the story of clean energy, the story of of solving climate change is just buzzing right now. It's it's hugely, you know, it's it's like... uh, for the 2000s and 2010s, it was like pushing a boulder up a hill. This is my analogy. Yeah. And the boulder has finally crested the hill and it's rolling downhill. Clean energy is winning. Emissions are going to go down eventually, but it's just a matter of making it go faster. It's it's, it's accelerating what's, what's happening. It would help if the government would uh, encourage this yes. more if there were leadership. Yes, and we're going to talk about Joe Manchin in one moment. But I did want to highlight what you're just talking about, because I do think this is really important and a really important takeaway. And when we talked about it earlier in the week, we spoke on our other show a lot about the fears that we're carrying and like, what do we do when we're talking about this when it feels hopeless? But there is hope in here and there is something to focus on. And my hope would be that media outlets and other people start taking this and people start paying attention and seeing the different things that are possible. Because you're right, the green energy has become so much more um, realistic, affordable, uh, exponentially the technology has accelerated and coal is on its way out, despite what Joe Manchin and everybody else it's really interesting. This is what I always say too to my fellow journalists: like climate, climate change itself is slow and incremental, and there's not that mm-hmm. much to say from one day to the next. But clean energy is just like 
shit is constantly happening. And I, and what I hear from my readers, and this is the number one thing I've heard from readers almost from the day I started this is nothing soothes their climate anxiety, this nameless anxiety that's hovering around them all the time, like reading the concrete practical details of what mm-hmm. people are doing to fix it. Just like getting into the muck, figuring out batteries, figuring out, you know, transmission grids, just getting, seeing how many people are out there doing all these clever things to help fix it. That is what makes people well, feel and Because we don't, we don't talk about it on the news. I, I've quoted this or referenced this a few times on our show, but Chris Hayes once responded to somebody's tweet by like, why don't you guys ever do run climate change stories? And he's like, the short answer is that, that the ratings tank. Nobody wants to watch yeah, it. Yeah, this is real. No one wants to hear about climate change. But 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 conversely, the biggest stories I've ever had on any medium or outlet anywhere are hopeful stories about clean energy. Clean yep. energy, but the solutions do play. They do good right. ratings. I do get good ratings. That's kind of what I mean is it's like if we're focusing right. on the things that we need and continuing to channel our energy into that – that makes people feel hopeful. It makes people feel, and they should be, because there's absolutely no other way for us to proceed except with hope. And there are plenty of things to be hopeful for. And it provides uh, villains, concrete, right. pr- proximate villains, which are important for getting people <laughs> worked up. Right. It's also interesting because, like the the like the Chris Hayes tweet, we do talk about it every once in a while because it's just like it's right there. There's it's, it's just like, an example it of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. But because the uh. So many of these stations and like the 24 hour news cycle that their their focus for so long has been to be like negative stories, tragedy, uh, all this shock and all, like all this stuff going on uh, to create that anxiety and this despair and stuff. And that's what got them ratings. That's why it works. Like the constant just like look at all this fucked up stuff going on. And it's just interesting that it doesn't work for this one thing that they should be talking yeah. about. And the reverse actually is what's going to help them instead of the model that they've been going for with for, for decades. Well, part of that is that Republican apparatus that we spent time talking about earlier, that believing in climate change is not in the best interest of their sponsors or, you know, the people who got them into office. Oh, so, I, yeah. But like, but- I mean, like, like like an MSNBC or like a CNN or whatever like sure, they yeah. they're they're also like very much like yeah. we have to do the 24 hour news fear mongering stuff well it's still they're also beholden to sponsors way. every outlet every right. outlet I've ever worked for I have had to work and push to convince it to allow me to publish long explanatory not news hooked you know just sort of like here's how batteries work you know and, yeah here's useful information people, for everybody love have, yeah. that shit they love it it's i've had it i've had it reinforced over and over and over again like the, the, i think that people who run the news are have overlearned. i mean maybe it's true on cable news it's just such a dumpster fire i don't pay much attention to it but like exactly generally yeah. i think the news people have overlearned the lesson that people need constant stimulation mm-hmm. i think there's a real appetite there's a real appetite out there now for calm talk about true things mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it works anymore. I mean, it works in a certain way. I don't have crystallized thoughts on this, so I'm just spitballing here. But uh, I've been talking a lot to people about the vibe shift. There was actually a good article on BuzzFeed about what you're sensing isn't a vibe shift. It's a permanent change. And we, our brains, I think, are different. And we've got so much information and so much bad stuff 
and we see the ne- the need and the urgency in a lot of different arenas in our life. And it's hard. It's a little bit immobilizing and it's hard, but we're craving information and we, we have people that want to do things. So I do, I'm hopeful. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think that the media, we need a huge media landscape shift. We need to be conveying information differently. We need to be approaching people differently because it's not working. We're, we don't have a consensus. <laughs> I think we need to remember that, that a lot of the news that dominates uh, our sort of collective attention specifically cable news is mostly watched by old people yeah. like uh, and, and and politics is mostly run by old people and there's just a lot of ideas living on well past their prime because of uh, o- old people and their habits so i think um yeah the, i don't know i think the vibe shift is just uh, there's generational stuff coming that's been building up under the yeah. surface for a long time but like the geriatrics just clinging clinging and clinging to power yeah. and, and to, you know like in many many different yes, arenas yes. Uh, and it's like everywhere you look you're like just like <laughs> take a break <laughs> like it's so it all like baffles me every time like you've earned a rest old one Chuck grassley is running again and isn't he like no <laughs> 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 he's like 130 now or unbelievable yeah like at a certain point shouldn't like the crypt keeper be able to just like go and like have a margarita on the beach and just like chill out. It's fine. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, it's this weird double brain now watching the news. Like on the one hand, you're seeing like literal book burnings, teacher mm-hmm. bannings, you know, abortion bannings. Mm-hmm. Of course, now they're going after gay people, like the most predictable thing in the world. Of course, you know, like it was never going to stop at trans people, just the whole, and like taking away the right to vote and the constant lies and this criminal mafia figure that was president for four years may run again. Like the whole thing's falling apart in the democratic leadership, like in Congress, just it is as though they are still living in West wing as though they never, yeah. as though in their bubble, it's the same as it ever was. And it's so bizarre to watch. I'm like, when do you start pulling the alarm lever like when they don't, when do you, they like, don't the care out, like, they're, because they're well, just they, as bad and they're just maybe not well, just so they as need bad but they're the bad same, right they like need they, it to be like the they same. need it to be as it used to be otherwise they can't really function within whatever the new in like system and environment is going it's to be what they know like, they wouldn't it's what know they know how, and the and the worst the thing they're farthest behind on although it's probably a, a tight contest is is media stuff is how to reach yes. people how to talk to people now like what you guys are doing, just sort of funny, but truthful, <laughs> funny, but information verified videos. Like, why isn't there a, a, left, a bunch of left-wing billionaires who have created a foundation that's just seeding and funding dozens of you? <laughs> dozens left-wing of- billionaires, we're waiting. Right. We're, we're willing well, for the investment. We have to hate you. We have to publicly hate you, but please get fun. <laughs> <laughs> But, mm-hmm. but winkety wink. But we will accept well, that's, your so money. That's the thing. We've uh we've and we've talked about this a little bit before too, where it's like, okay, if you're on the right and you want money, like, yeah, give me a bunch of money, I'll lie for it's you. So easy. And it'll yeah, get yeah, you yeah. more and it'll get you more it's money. So easy. Whereas like with us, it's like we actually want you to have less money. <laughs> give us some and we'll talk about how you should have even less. But I, I do think that that's that is true. one of the reasons why people on the left are afraid of that. Like if there was a left wing version of 
Fox News. Mm-hmm. People think it's MSNBC. Mm-hmm. But if there truly was right. one, <laughs> of course I feel is. like yeah. pe- we on the left think that we would have to be the ones to always compromise. We'd have to get on board with the centrist stuff and give up Medicare mm-hmm. for all and climate change stuff and any hope of racial and social justice, all of these things over and over. Mm-hmm. That's why it, it's so hard to square it because it feels like, oh, so wait, we'll win all these elections, but we'll never get what we want, which yeah. Uh, well, just wait for yeah, wait for uh, midterms, uh, which we're 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 now in, and so now we get some oh. some sweet tweets from Congress people about healthcare being. Yep, uh, they're going right. to trot it back Democrats, out. It's happening again. Deliver. Oh, there Finally. she is. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Democrats and delivering, David, you brought up one of our favorite ghouls as someone you wanted to talk about, um, and I think this is a good time to bring up Joe Manchin. Oh. Mm. Oh. Oh, I mean, it's awful. I think about him way too much um, angrily. I do. I think about what I would say. You guys know how sometimes people say to you, sometimes people say to you too, like, how could you talk for a whole hour about Ben Shapiro? And you're Mm. you're thinking, how could you capture the the perfidy, the thumb-faced, thimble-headed evil? How could you contain it in an hour? How could you stop after one hour? This is how I feel about Joe Manchin. Unfortunately, I don't have a like. I don't have a like. Oh, a, we're here for it. A moral to the story, other than he's awful and I hate him. Like, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Don't That's have much it. That beyond, can be I don't enough. Have much beyond that, to say. it's unbelievable to me that he is allowed to have this much power, knowing his connections and his ties and his business ties. Damn. And it's unbelievable to me that this is the thing that is allowed, and we all see it happening. And it's we it, all and, fucking and it's sort of see like it. The mo- it's like the most believable thing I can it, imagine. It's sort of <laughs> unfortunately. I think it sort know, of like offends your sense of history, though. It shouldn't be the case that one asshole could do this much damage. It's just like I, you want to think grand historical forces are at work. Just this one contingent dickhead. Being the thumb in the dam, preventing like literally millions of people so from many, surviving yeah. and getting health care and getting, you know, guaranteed uh, preschool and getting climate action and all of it. This one dude. And, and the reason I and the reason I hate him, you know, there's a there's a strain of sort of savviness on the on uh, among democratic commentators and pundits and stuff that's like of course like he's from west virginia we should be thankful we have him at all we should love joe manchin for who he is this this sort of thing and of course i know west virginia is conservative of course i know he wouldn't you know no democrat could win there and probably he won't win again if he runs again of course i know that and of course i know that there's only 50 votes nonetheless even all that said at a certain point, you just have to expect a basic level of decency. And here's a guy yeah, who found yeah. out he was saying nice things early on, like we're going to make Joe Biden a success. Like he's talking about four trillion dollars in spending and, you know, clearly was like geared up to go along. But you could just watch the process as the weeks went by of him slowly realizing, oh, like it's literally I get to write federal policy <laughs> for yeah. two yep. years oh, oh, they, they, have to, they have to ask he, me for everything yes now. for everything yeah. and he was the biggest dickhead possible about it he did it in a way that humiliated his entire yeah. party humiliated biden remember when biden promised the progressives oh we'll split the bill and don't worry mansion says we're going to pass bill that better <laughs> right alongside the infrastructure bill he promised me he told me mm. he gave me his word and i'm giving you my word and then mansion just left 
Biden fucking swinging on that in the most humiliating way. Like he's corrupt as hell. He's just like, even given the circumstances, he's worse than he needed to be like he's just the right fucking he, worst. he yeah. just doubled down he doesn't give a fuck i mean history will not look at him kindly i, do I don't believe know that he'll, die, he'll die rich and happy katie just like yeah. just like joe right. Lieber, just like joe lieberman will I evil know. people mm. there no one's ever going to hold him yeah. accountable look at that he doesn't care about that but yeah no it's it's yeah. um <laughs> horrifying because i forget the actual statistics or what it is but west virginia is being deeply impacted by climate change and the severe storms. It's like affecting their agriculture. Well, <laughs> all of build all of Build Back Better would have shoveled shoveled yeah. tons of federal money onto West Virginia. There's no question about. And, but they don't know. They don't know. Those voters don't even know. on the climate stuff. Just looking at the climate and energy stuff in isolation, even that stuff alone would have shoveled billions of dollars yeah. into West Virginia. Yeah. And let me just say, while I'm on the subject of mentioned being an asshole, so he kill he, he kills all of Build Back Better based on just based on like the kinds of things that old white men talk to each other about on yachts just those <laughs> kind of talking points even though one yeah. colleague after another came begging like all these women in the senate coming to him saying you know people need child care like it's really a big deal <laughs> gritting their teeth trying to kiss his ass and he just he doesn't care he listens to the old white guys on the yacht but so he kills all of build back better but says supposedly the the clean energy stuff the climate stuff which everybody wants and is really good he says i'm still open to this so so everybody's like okay well we'll just pass that bit we'll just can we please just pass that bit saying well maybe mansion will save this little bit of us after all and now over the past month or so he has started slowly chipping away even at mm -hmm. that stuff now he's mad about subsidies for electric cars. And let me just tell you, we just had this IPCC report that's literally a, a catalog of climate mitigation strategies. And it shows every viable scenario, it has electric vehicles dominant in it. Like there's no way to do this without electric vehicles, but he wants money for hydrogen cars. Why? Because they make hydrogen out of natural gas in West Virginia. Well, and he, mm. I, this whole, there was this whole report. I, I, I mean, we all know he's involved with, you know, coal and mining, but like he has a whole company that <laughs> involved, yeah. uses the, the gas byproduct, the most toxic gas stuff that then they Involved, then burn yes. fuel. That's a company of his. <laughs> he directly profits from it in the most direct way possible. Everything about this is benefiting and lining his pocket. Yeah, he used to be, remember, he used to be West Virginia governor before this. And like all of West Virginia state politics is such a fucking swamp. There's so much coal corruption. Like even the the Jim Jim Justice, the other, the governor that took mm -hmm. over after Mansion owned a mine and had a bunch of safety violations and was like paying someone off. I don't know. The whole, the whole system is he's a, he's basically like a small backward state, corrupt, good old boy politician who's been thrust into this position of immense and historical he's importance. Just taking and as he's, much as he can. He's small. His role now is big and he's still just a small, yes. a small man. All right, that's I just had I had to get that hate on the record. I won't go on forever about it. No, we really appreciate it. It's registered, it is seconded, <laughs> and I think we've all voted and this is now law that we oh, hate yeah. him. Before we move on from uh, uh climate change, I do want to ask one quick question yeah. if that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
um, mm-hmm. while we have you here. We had we had Peter Kalmas on and he was talking about like if we were really serious about this, we would stop the commercial airline industry like right now. And obviously that's not happening. But like in, in everything I've read, I've never seen like what's the plan there? Are, are there electric planes? I haven't like it doesn't uh, seem possible. What do we what do we do about that? Teleportation. Uh, sp- well, high speed rail. A number of strategies. Yeah, you substitute away by building out better rail is one short, you know, sort of short haul flights, kind of regional flights. You could probably do with electric at this point, like electric planes are big enough now to do sort of, uh, you know, those uh, short run flights. So you could build the structure of flights to have more short hops on electric planes. And then you can make uh, liquid fuels with hydrogen mixed with some sort of uh, hydrocarbon. You can make fuels that you can drop into airplanes. That's very early in. So how realistic is it's, it's hap- things like it's that? It's happening. It's, it's yeah. not commercial yet, but it's definitely underway. And it's another one of those things that if we pass Build Back Better, we'll mm-hmm. spend a lot of money on and we'll specifically spend a lot of money on it in West Virginia. But but yeah, so planes are, I mean, there's nothing. there's nothing left that's totally beyond the reach of decarbonization at this point. Like we, we at least know how to get at everything at this point. Some things are much earlier in the technology, you know, curve and need a lot more innovation. And it's hard to predict how much they'll end up costing and that kind of thing. But like, we at least have everything in sight now. And the big, the big problems, which are the electrical, you know, the electric system, generating electricity, transportation and buildings, those three, we know very well now how to do you electrify transportation you electrify building heating and cooling and then you clean up the electricity generation we have all the technologies we need to do all those things we just need to put some money toward it, it. and, and decide, yeah. Effort, yes, yeah. decide literally decide to do it all right jonathan it is that time of the show for insert music Cue broken Bum, news. Bum. We're getting that music. <laughs> the end of the show. Any day. <laughs> theoretically, we move through the stories quicker, but we never actually do. Okay, lay it on us. Well, the, this is the one, you know, there's a, there's a, the non, big one. There's a non-broken story every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And this one yeah, is, this that, is a good uh, one. Katanji Brown-Jackson got confirmed to the Supreme Court Woo-hoo. a little bit earlier today. We got uh, three Republicans joining all mm-hmm. 50 Democrats and supporting her, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. And Mitt you Romney. mean the uh, pro-pedophile Collins? Yeah, Rakowski they decided and, they were going to be. Uh, bam, 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 bam. I don't God. know why I get the sound. I, I'm like sorry for even bringing that up. Actually, <laughs> I didn't. I don't want to taint like the good news. <laughs> Jesus, the groomers. Uh, yeah, the grooming trio, the grooming of, caucus of, of like pot smoking hippies: Mitt Romney, uh. <laughs> Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski. So you know, uh, Stephen Breyer is going to be stepping down this summer. She'll join, and for the foreseeable future, she'll just get to. Uh, dissent on everything for the next mm-hmm. several right, right. <laughs> like, Is, yeah. Isn't it interesting yeah. that all these cases are going to come down to voting in dissent mm-hmm. against a large... Uh, yes, it is. Quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's nothing there. It's exciting. It's great. <laughs> I, I do think about like, boy, do you sure you want this job? <laughs> I know. It is going to yeah, be I a know. lot of frustration. you going to be in for the long haul. Um, right. You know you're going to lose for a long time, I'm right? thrilled for her 
question mark. I am happy. I'm excited for this. Um, I mean, yeah, it's very, it's really, really cool. Um, and uh, it's great news. Uh, it but not have, thrilled for her. Yeah. I think she's got a bad. Well, yeah, she just she's just got there <laughs> just in time to watch the Supreme Court just, dismantle yeah. a lot of <laughs> basic 20th century mm-hmm. jurisprudence and, and and law. I mean, she's gonna see up close the American system of uh, law and regulation dismantled. Or any news on Clarence Thomas? <laughs> he didn't die. Uh, Weirdly, he didn't die and he no. didn't resign. Okay. He doesn't seem to be like around. Yeah, did he show up? I thought he was. He's in the loving embrace of his wife at home. Oh, his best friend. Uh, his best friend. I feel scary. like he's, I think, I feel like he's sicker than he's letting people know. One would only hope, but then he's mm. going to hang on until we lose the losing the midterms. Oh, that's not what is going to happen. Oh, but, uh, wait, Let's wait, not yeah, manifest he'll, that. He'll hang on until we lose the Senate in the midterms, and then then we'll get to see Biden nominate another uh, great uh, justice, and McConnell just refused to have hearings at all for two years. Well, you can't two have years. it uh, two years before an election. That's not. <laughs> That's love, against the rules, right? Love to see years. the writing on the wall. And, and, the ridiculous and two writing. Years after an election, you got to give a cooling off period. Yeah. So yeah, you've really <laughs> got to bake this. There's in. like a you week. Got to be smart week, about it. Two week period right in the middle there. That's perfect for Supreme Court. There's a sweet spot. McConnell also before the vote today, he like was criticizing Jackson for not saying if she was for or against court packing. Like, he, you know, because in her hearing, she refused to say if she was for or against court packing. And she was like, well, that's not up to me. That's up to Congress. Also, Amy Coney Barrett did not say that. I was going to say, did anybody else answer in a similar way? Yeah. And Mm. he was fine with that. You you seem awfully defensive, Mitch. Why are you so so defensive? That's so like, God, what a fucking piece of shit. (laughs) I hate this guy so much. Uh, He was on. He was interviewed by um, Axios. Oh, yeah. I just Uh, saw that today. Did you see that clip? It's like. And he's being asked about um, where, like, where does he draw his like moral red lines? And he like acts like what? What he's, are you even he's visibly uh, flummoxed by by the question. He's, so, he's, he's like, excuse me, like not do something that I could do for moral reason. It's just like it's like it's so speaking? define it's a fascinating, moral. fascinating interview because like yeah, he's like baffled and confused and like angry. <laughs> And like, what? Like, ask somebody else. Well, I'm talking to you right no, now. You, you sir. Uh, yeah. And uh, just it, it, this back and forth. It was. I was actually like very um, happy with not happy with how it went because it was pointless and useless and he didn't say anything. But uh, the pushback, the consistent pushback from the other side of like, well, I'm asking you. Well, like, I'd like to know these things are not. He's genuinely these, these things. Genuinely, these things creepy. don't work together. He's creepy. He's deep down creepy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's all the way down creepy. Go check out that clip if you're listening. Uh, I will check that it's, out. It's, it's I like frustrating, it. but also kind of nice to see somebody just it's say frustrating like, no, but validating. You're, you're being a, you're being a silly man. <laughs> he didn't say that, but somebody yeah. just tell him that. Okay, Jonathan, one more, one more. Lay it on us. You got what it. do you got? Uh, our our friend Elon Musk. <gasps> yeah, friend of the show. Friend, fr- yeah, friend of the pod, Elon Musk. <laughs> There's our leftist billionaire funding. <laughs> our, yeah. We bought. Uh, it was revealed in an SEC regulatory filing this week that he uh, purchased 9.2% of Twitter. Uh, the next day, Twitter announced that he'd been appointed to the board. Yeah. Musk says he wants to make significant improvements uh. to Twitter. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he he has been a big, he's a, you know, he's a free speech absolutist, mm-hmm. he says. So mm-hmm. he cares a lot about free speech and he wants to make some 
real critical changes there as one twelfth of the board and a guy who owns a tenth of the company. Like, can I just say one thing at, at the beginning there? Because this is like, this is the whole fucking game these guys play. No one is a free speech absolutist. It's just not the case. Like Elon Musk, if you ask him, can people come onto Twitter and advocate for killing all black people in the United States tomorrow? He'll probably say like, no, that's over the line. There's some line. Yeah. He's got some mm-hmm. line. He Everybody's got some line. So the argument is always, it's not about abstractions, free speech versus whatever. It's about where's your line. Where's the and line? that's the argument that these people never want to have the first order argument about the thing itself that they're saying, because they don't want to go out in public and say, I want to be allowed to say that trans people don't exist without consequences like you don't want to have the mm-hmm. argument over whether you should be allowed to say that you have to retreat to the abstraction free speech well, and twitter already lets you say that twitter doesn't have <laughs> right. no, yeah. with that uh, I, i'm also like what are the what what are these free speech issues that we have here the president tweeting misinformation i i don't know like things that are provably doing damage to the world um uh, but I will say it's great. Calling, it's very some diver a pedophile. pedophile. <laughs> not the, that's I mean, not the line. When, uh, that is not the line. Like, he got away he, with that. He owns. He, he got did. away with it. That's what I mean. Is like part of this. I you know. I guess he got in trouble um, in 2018 when he tweeted about Tesla in a way that violated X Y Z, and you know, like so. There's there's that area I guess where he sort of gets in trouble, but he's not getting in trouble. But I love that he now owns significantly more of this company than Jack. Well, all, all these guys, all these guys funny. just in their heads want to be the one who gets to decide what's okay and what's not okay to say. And they all end up deciding like people like me get to say things that are that, mm-hmm. that make sense to me. And the other people yeah. that I don't like are bad and dangerous and they shouldn't say things like everybody ends up there. All this sort of procedural neutrality is just a fucking smokescreen for everybody. That's all he wants is to be the decider of what, who gets to say what that, that's that. Why else? Would yeah, you exactly. Um, and he, kn- and he knows that. And also, I mean, didn't he like, he like shit on Twitter for like a week and then bought <laughs> yeah. this, like he knows what he's doing and he knows how to like play this game. Um, and even like, you know, hinting like maybe I'm going to start my own social network. Maybe I'll do that. And it's like, well, no, you know that even if you do that, it will be swarming with Nazis. It'll be the Nazi social. And network. then you'll have to because that's and what then you'll have to draw some lines like that's right. It, or don't. And then you're the Nazi Twitter. Like, or, right. Or it's a yeah. total dumpster fire. You either have a line or it's a dumpster fire. And all it's about where the line is. And once he starts getting in first order arguments about the propriety of particular things, He'll get bored and frustrated and sick of the whole thing and then well, right. go, go like, off to space or do something else. My take on this is that he actually doesn't really care about free speech at all and has no ideas for Twitter. He's just on the website 10 hours a day. And <laughs> needs attention. Like that is his outlet. He needs his validation through there. And he just needed a, a reason to buy it or whatever, like a justifiable thing, but that's not actually a yeah, thing. Yeah, he's pretending he it's about. some sort of like a, a moral line in the sand he's drawing. He doesn't give a shit. His, he just likes his, getting his all the attention. His whole thing now has become like a performance. Like his whole life now has become like a weird performance. Like it's all performance sure. art now. It just must be so weird to be around him. Yeah. Because like, he's performing right, he's like always that, doing you this, know, like yeah. always with everyone? Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got this, uh, he's 
the character that people expect of Elon Musk. And so he does that. Uh, he also like, you know, fires people for speaking out. And, right. Like, then there's all not, that stuff really, too. You know. He's not a good guy. Maybe he'll bring an edit button and we'll all have turned out to be wrong about him. Yeah. And we'll all start tweeting and then our tweets will retweet things. And then our retweets will magically change and we'll be like, oh, Self, self-driving Twitter, self-driving Twitter. I think you should only be able to edit within five minutes or something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it should be like, I don't know. if it exists at all, it should be like word changes, like similar right. word changes for like spelling errors or something right. like that. I don't know how they would Elon do that. Elon can figure this out. Stop he's, you the, from, he's the engineer, yeah, guys. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he did invent all of his products. So he's the guy who did it all. The edit button's going to be invented by like the pig with the chip in its brain <laughs> that makes, yeah. you know. Or like one of the sur- surviving monkeys. Yeah. yeah. The NFT monkeys? <laughs> no, the monkeys that he killed the for other monkeys. his oh, uh, yes, chip experiments. Those monkeys. David, it has been wonderful having you. You're a fabulous guest. Please come back anytime. Awesome. And tell our listeners where they can find your work, follow you online, et cetera. Uh, the website is volts, V-O-L-T-S dot W-T-F. Easy to remember. And I'm on Twitter at Dr. Volts, D-R-V-O-L-T-S. Do people think you're a doctor uh, frequently? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this joke goes back to way when I was Dr. Grist and then I was Dr. Vox and now I'm Dr. Volts. And I do have a doctorate in takes, so I feel, oh. I feel fine putting that <laughs> yeah. out there. A doctorate in takes. Yeah, yeah. it's very well earned. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. This was great. We'll be back next week, guys. And in it's the true. meantime, remember, we love you very much. Oh, uh, much. <laughs>